everyone. Welcome to another episode of Soper's Chat. This is Christy, your host. Now, this week's episode, we're covering our fragrance of the week, which is Black Raspberry Vanilla. And we're also talking about our additive of the week, which is Colloidal Oatmeal. Our Facebook group of the week is Steph's Micas and More. And our YouTuber of the week is How to Make Soap. Now, uh, we are not currently supported by any um, advertisers, so if you would like to support the podcast, we would appreciate it if you visit b3handcrafted.com. It is Bubbles, Bobbles, and Beast. I'm one of the co-owners for it. We sell soaps, wax melts, candles. We're going to be adding some additional bath and body products as well. And we also have wire-wrapped jewelry. So if you would like to support this podcast, that's one great way of doing it. Eventually, we may have other ways that you can support the podcast later on. Um, But if you have any questions about it, please let me know. Otherwise, we'll go ahead and move on to the fragrance of the week, which is Black Raspberry Vanilla. Now, I actually went to several different uh, websites to look at the different... um, their different versions of the Black Raspberry Vanilla. This is a fragrance that's a nice starter fragrance because it's so well behaved. Uh, Usually in most cases it does not rice, it does not accelerate, it does not decelerate. So you're not going to have a situation where it's going to surprise you and kind of look like it's going to start coming together and then kind of falls apart on you and you have to stir it some more. And it also doesn't turn into pudding or soap on a stick. So it's very well behaved in most cases. You'll want to test to be sure. Um, now I noticed with a couple of places, they, there were only two places that I found that had any vanilla content mentioned. The rest of them had no vanilla content mentioned, um, except for Lone Star Candle. They didn't have it listed. So if you decide to purchase through Lone Star Candle Supply, make sure you call them first or message them and find out what the vanilla content is, if any. Um, other than that, Flaming Candle was at 0.45, so it's very small. Candle Science said that theirs was between 2.01 and 5%. Uh, So that was kind of unusual there. But everybody else had no vanilla content mentioned. But that's not to say that it may not discolor. So again, make sure you test first. Now, with the usage rate, the IFRA for soap is 9. Elements Bath & Body did not have their usage rate listed. So if you do purchase through Elements Bath and Body, make sure to check with them first so that you're not kind of overusing. Uh, Flaming Candle was at 3.17%. Crafter's Choice was at 7.4%. Nature's Garden, which is one I've used before, they're at 3.5%. And Rustic Essentials was the the highest, 25%. Now, you don't want to use that much. You could end up with uh, seepage in your soap if you do something like that. So you definitely want to scale that back. Um, Indigo Fragrance was at three and a half, um, just like Nature's Garden. Um, Fragrance Buddy was at 6%. Bee Scented and Nature's Item were at 6.25. And Soap Making with Lisa was at 7%. She tested it at 6%, though. So that's kind of make sure that she didn't end up with uh, seepage. Um, Brambleberry, um, unfortunately, they're the ones that you have to use their fragrance calculator to, to get the amount you need. Um, I prefer to use a company that has the usage rate listed so I can just figure it out on the calculator real quick. Um, but if you do decide to go with Brambleberry, just keep in mind, on a good note, very strong fragrances. The downside is you have to use the calculator to figure out what your usage rate is you're going to need there. Um, candle Science between 3 and 6%. That's kind of typical with Candle Science, though. 
they generally go within that range. Uh, Nurture Soap, another very strong fragrance at 6%. Arizona Matte Oils uh, took the approach of 1 to 2 ounces per pound of oil. Uh, I've seen that actually mentioned a couple times before where they'll say instead of the usage rate, rule of thumb is 1 to 2 ounces per pound of oil. And then, as I mentioned before, we've got candle supply was at 10%. So if there is a, a fragrance supplier that I did not mention and you would like to give them a shout out, please let me know. You can either contact me through the comments on the podcast or feel free to email me at soaperschat.outlook.com. Uh, one thing I also want to mention about Soper's Chat is we're now on the Google Play Store. So not only are we on iTunes, we're on Google Play. You can get it through the soaperschat.com. So we're trying to make it easier for you to be able to find us depending on what method that you want to use. So that's pretty good information right there. Um, the next thing we're going to go into is colloidal oatmeal. Now, this is a, an, an ingredient that I like to use in my soaps. With, it's just a staple. It's part of my, my regular use regular ingredients in my soap uh, unfortunately it's one of those that kind of is a, it's been treated like a gray area and it's not really a gray area some people say oh well the easiest way you can get colloidal oatmeal is to grind it up really fine that's not true you have oat flour at that point um, unfortunately, I went with a company uh, a couple years back that I bought five pounds of oat flour and found out after the fact when I got it that it was not colloidal oatmeal. Different consistency. So I'll use that as an exfoliator maybe in, a, in, in one of my soaps, but I won't actually use it like colloidal oatmeal because it's not the same. Uh, now the INCI for colloidal oatmeal, the nomenclature, what it's usually identified as, um, is Avena sativa, and then in, in uh, parentheses, oat kernel flour. It also goes by colloidal oatmeal, colloidal oat flour, colloidal oat whole flour, colloidal oatmeal, and then parentheses, Avena sativa kernel. So it's an emollient created through the process of where they finally grind the oats and then they boil them to extract the material, the, the colloidal material that rises to the top, and then they dry that. Uh, so it's the stuff that comes off the top during the pot process of boiling. Now, uh, it was kind of interesting. I found out that the oats have been used in skincare since like 2000 BC, so like Roman times. It was interesting. And uh, the nice thing about it is um, I read that back in 1945, uh, the process for creating a ready-made colloidal oatmeal was established, but in 2003, the FDA set out standards for proper manufacture of colloidal oatmeal. So that included looking at the total aerobic microbial count, uh, weight loss on drying, particle size, nitrogen content, fat content, and residual solvents. Now, I s did see on two different suppliers' pages um, they did have the micron size. Uh, one was 33 and another one was over 40. I think it was 44. So that was kind of interesting to see. Um, also, you want to look at whether or not it's been manufactured to um, USP, which is United States, uh, Pharma, uh, and I apologize if I butchered this. I'm going to have to double check it. Uh, pharmacopoeia standards uh, or national formulary. 
on two big ones right there. So if you buy from somebody that says, oh yeah, I finally ground the oatmeal in order to make the cloida oatmeal. No, say that's nice, walk away. You wanna make sure that it follows the pharmaceutical, the FDA guidelines. And, and it has where they, they actually did it properly. You would be surprised how many websites I found that provided really good information about the colloidal oatmeal. And then they started talking about how you can make it yourself at home. Unless you're gonna follow the process that is used to actually make honest to goodness colloidal oatmeal, that's not gonna happen. You can't really just make it on your stovetop. Um, it's not the same thing. And um, the nice thing though with the, the colloidal oatmeal is you can use it in different things. You can use it in bath products and face masks. They say bath bars, but I mean, you can use it in, if you make um, like shampoo bar, which is really nice because uh, then you don't have to worry about if your scalp gets itchy, things like that. Um, they also talk about um, bath, just bath bars in general. But you, if you're in the United States and you do the cold process, process or the hot process through saponification, that's where it's identified as soap. That's not the case in other countries. Uh, so keep that in mind. If you do make what is technically termed a side net bar uh, in the United States where it doesn't go through a saponification process, uh, or you make melt and pour and you decide to add colloidal oatmeal as an ingredient into your soap, it's, that's when they consider it like a bath bar or a beauty bar or something like that. Um, then you can also use it as an after bath powder. That one kind of stood out to me because I also found that uh, they mentioned putting colloidal oatmeal in latex gloves. And my dad actually has an allergy to latex and he can't use latex gloves, but he uses gloves that are non-latex and he's allergic to whatever it is that's in those gloves, the powder that they use. So his hands break out. I thought if he used colloidal oatmeal in gloves, if he ever had to wear them again, cause he's retired now, maybe that would help with, with the breakout situation. So that was kind of interesting to find out as well. Um, then of course they say cleansers, moisturizers, and face masks. Um, now also um, they mention about the FDA saying, yes, we agree that this does this, this, and this. Of course, making soap in the United States, you do not want to mention any health benefits because that then no longer becomes soap. It becomes uh, potentially a medical product and you have to go down a different road because that's no longer manufacturing soap. It's manufacturing a medical product. Uh, so that's something you want to be very careful of. But some for kind of your FYI, uh, some of the benefits they found include improving skin dryness, uh, alleviating itch and irritation, anti, they say anti-aging, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, repairing damaged skin, moisturizing skin, reducing inflammation caused by acne, uh, helping to soothe bug bites, burns, and other skin irritations. I can tell you when I was little and had chicken pox, I, I probably was like three or four years old at the time when I had chicken pox, but I can still remember um, my mom used to give us uh, colloidal oat baths to kind of help with the itching. And boy, oh, that in, uh, what was it, calamine lotion. Oh, loved it. Um, but yeah, uh, and then also it says relieving symptoms of eczema, psoriasis, and seborrheic 
and I apologize if I butchered that, dermatitis. Now, there is a chance that it could cause uh, irritation, redness, potential rashes. So with anything, discontinue use if irritation or redness or something like that occurs. Um, I thought it was funny. They, they have the warning on there. If somebody ingests colloidal oatmeal, call the poison center or your doctor. And I'm thinking, um, you ate oatmeal. Yeah. But still, understandable in case there are any other ingredients in the colloidal oatmeal besides oatmeal. Um, because I did see a mention on, on one of the manufacturing pages that the FDA, the only thing that they would allow, uh, I believe they said mineral oil in the uh, manufacture of the colloidal oatmeal. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, now, I will provide a link to my resources that I use to research this so that you can take a look through it because I felt it, found it very fascinating. Uh, and I hope you would too. But I, my big hope is that it will help with identifying proper colloidal oatmeal compared to oat flour because uh, I know some people are like really on the, I want it to be actual honest to goodness colloidal oatmeal. And some people are like, oh, I can just grind it up and, and throw it in my soap. Well, just keep in mind that this is colloidal oatmeal and this is oat flour. Um, so, and that's per the United States guidelines. Other countries, individual results may vary. I apologize. I did not research further out besides the United States. Um, I would put a big ask out there that if you are in other countries, please do your research, especially in countries where you have to have your recipe certified. I know that they have to do that in the UK and the European Union, so please make sure to do your research there. All right, moving on. We've got the Facebook group, Steph's Micahs and More. Got some good news, bad news, good news. Um, good news number one. They are getting ready to open the group buy for June, uh, on June 1st, um, I believe June 1st, yeah, because that's on a Saturday. Um, join the Facebook group, Steph's Micahs and More, to get alerted when they, that, that June group buy gets kicking, and she'll provide you an invite to the group buy. Um, bad news, this is the last group buy that she is doing, potentially from now on. So it's going away, ah! But good news! She is going to start selling on a regular basis, so you don't have to wait for the group buys to buy your micas and other ingredients from her. Yay! I was really happy to hear that. So she had a, a little announcement video, and I was like, when, where, why, how? So it was really nice to see that, because she has some of the best micas that I have found so far. Uh, one that stood out to me was she has navy blue and a midnight blue. And both of those are so deep. It is so hard to find a navy blue. I know you can make your own if you use the color wheel, but it's nicer to be able to have that available. And I needed it especially uh, like last year. I made wedding shower soaps, and one of the colors that the bride wanted was navy blue. I was like, oh, I need navy blue. Hurry. Steph was wonderful about that, so she had that available. But she also has these awesome spatulas, spoonulas. It has um, different uh, natural ingredients, like uh, she has kelp powder, carrot powder. I love carrot powder. Um, and I'm not 100% sure. I believe she might have neem. I'd have to double check it as well. But long story longer, she's going to have that available starting July 1st. So yay! Kermit celebration. Yay! 
All right, moving on, we've got YouTube. Our YouTuber of the week is How to Make Soap. That's literally what you type in the in the search, How to Make Soap, no spaces. Um, she also has a face, Facebook group called Living on a Dime. Um, she's the only one I've found so far. And please, if you find somebody else that does this too, let me know because I love this. She does stick blender hot process soap. And the main reason I like it so much is because she shows the volcano. I am just enamored with hot process volcano on hot process soap. I just love it. It's just, it's so interesting to watch. It's just watching it bubble up. It's amazing. But she does such a fantastic job controlling it. She does have a couple instances where she had spillover. And I never wish that on anybody because that can always be a pain in the butt. But to watch her control, as big as the some of the batches that she's made, and she's able to, t to have that control over it is fantastic. The most recent video that she has out uh, shows um, hot process with blue and hot process with the titanium white that she, she of course, hot processed them separate and then mixed in the, the mold together. And it was so fascinating. I just love watching that. Um, I mean, that's, being able to watch that over and over again is just so nice. Now, there are other volcano, soap volcano videos out there, and I'll, I love to find those. And then there's some that are not actual hot process soaping volcanoes. They're kind of like where kids are doing experiments with dish soap or hand soap, making them volcano. To me, that's not the same thing. With hot process soap volcano, it's just watching the chemical reaction of where the lye is interacting with the oils and the butters and actually turning into soap. I find that so fascinating. I I kind of feel bad for anybody who does it because that stink is very unique and it kind of permeates. I don't do it that often. I've Every time I've made hot process soap in the past, it usually takes about a month to kind of get that soap smell out. And I used to soap in my kitchen and now I have a room that I can soap in. And mainly because people were like, uh, it smells like soap everywhere. Ugh. So being able to watch her make the hot process soap, I can kind of enjoy from a distance and just kind of say, oh, that's like, it's like ASMR watching that happen. It's so cool. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at there. Um, again, we've gone over black raspberry vanilla, our fragrance oil, and, and if you do have any suppliers that you want to give a shout out, let me know so I can take a look and show them some love. Um, we've gone over the colloidal oatmeal, and again, I will provide my resources in the comments. If you have any feedback on the additive that we've mentioned, the colloidal oatmeal this week, please let me know. Um, and again, show some love to Steph's Micahs and more, because that's just some awesome sauce going on right there. And of course, how to make soap. If you love to watch Hot Process kind of in action, she is she is for you right there. All right, so that's all we have for this week. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to message us on the comments down below um, on this podcast or reach out to us at soaperschatatoutlook.com. Uh, trolls always, always go under the bridge. We don't deal with trolls at all. Um, and I mentioned before, we have uh, iTunes, where you can uh, hear us on iTunes. We've got Google Play now. We've got soaperschat.com. So tune in next week. We'll have a new fragrance oil that we're going to discuss and a new additive. 
Of course, our, our next uh, Facebook group we're going to give a shout out to as well as the YouTuber. So I hope you have a wonderful day and a fantastic weekend. Bye.